If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So many layers of fake that you have to strip all of them off in order to really realize that you're the same as these people. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I am John R. Bray. This week we are joined by a special guest. Her name is Jenny McQuail. And today we're going to talk about her new award-winning, well, she's an award-winning documentary filmmaker. And her latest project, it's called Straight Curve, Redefining Body Image. Um, premiered in June of 2017 and is now moving into educational and international distribution with, is it Roco Films? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. And so John and I were both, we both got to see a screener of the movie of the documentary. And the movie was made specifically to celebrate women and as a demand for a more realistic, positive positive body image in fashion, media, and in the world at large. So this week we are tackling body image. Before I let Jenny sort of introduce herself, this is a really, for some of you who don't know, it's a topic that hits really close to home for me. And when I finished the movie, I was in, I was in absolute tears. <laughs> it's a really, really well done film. And I would encourage everyone to rent or buy it when it's, it becomes available this Friday. Um, but Jenny, if you want to give a, a brief introduction of yourself and start talking about what you did for the film. Sure. Uh, that was quite a lovely introduction. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> um, so my, I'm Jenny McQuill, the director of the film, and my I'm Irish, so born and raised in Ireland. And I've been living in New York City for the last six years. And my background is, I think you said it in the intro, is in journalism and I decided a few years ago to basically quit my job and go backpacking around the world for four years. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah. And while I was traveling, I really met such incredible people and saw such incredible things that I decided that I really wanted to move into storytelling in a very visual way and not just words on a page. So I decided to go back to school and then study documentary film production, which wasn't a huge leap from journalism. Um, and then, yeah, that was six years ago. And, and I've been working on Straight Curve for the last about three and a half. And it's been an incredible journey and a very important subject matter, as you said in your intro. And and I'm really excited for it to finally be released into the world. So, you know, it, it was released on epics last june uh in the united states and and now it's finally going to be on itunes and amazon and way more readily accessible for people all around the country in, in america and also all around the world so that's super exciting the documentary follows a, a photography exhibit mm -hmm. um put together uh, featuring women of all sizes and shapes and color and age 
Did the exhibition debut after Fashion Week in New York? Yeah, it was, yes, it was right after Fashion Week, I think two years ago in September. Um, so yeah, the the shoot was kind of the spine of the film. And I think the purpose of it was really to create the imagery, the photographs mm-hmm. that we should be seeing more of, right, in the fashion industry and media, more kind of representative of what we as women look like. And um, I, you know, the, the, the size and the, the race and the age uh, subject matter was really, really important. And I think by pulling together this photo shoot and then doing the exhibit, it was really showing and leading by example that this can be done. It looks incredible when it is done and there's no reason to be ignoring all of these women. <laughs> right. And I love how it's woven in with a lot of shots of, of teenage girls talking about mm-hmm. how rep- representation to them is really important and they don't see themselves reflected in the pages of the magazines and the the shows that they see on television. They they don't their bodies don't resemble the bodies of the women selling fashion. Right. It's both poignant and heartbreaking listening to these girls talking about their how they feel about themselves, how they wish they could see themselves in pages. And then the statistics that are are littered throughout the documentary, like I wrote one down, like 80% of 10-year-old girls have dieted at least once in their lives. Yeah. And then this one, 91% of teenage girls have started to control their weight through dieting. Mm-hmm. 91% of teenage girls. Yeah, it's really and, shocking. <laughs> yeah. I love how it the the documentary shows what a real photograph looks like as opposed to what makes it into publication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It talks about how our brain processes images 60,000 times faster than words. And so through this photo shoot of these, and we're still dealing with models, we're still dealing with beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous, striking models in this photo shoot, but they are, um, they're, they're larger. Mm -hmm. Um, They are of different ethnicities. They're older in the end, the the end result is spectacularly beautiful. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show, I mean, I think we have this society is set for this very, very narrow standard of beauty. And, you know, you mentioned the teenage girls. And to me, they were the real heart of the film. And it was crucial to me when we were starting to kind of develop the project and really look at what we wanted to do and who we wanted to talk to, I think, you know, it became really obvious that the story had to be told through the lens of the fashion industry and the media, because I truly believe that the fashion industry is at the epicenter of our body image crisis in this country and and around the world. And, you know, the, the industry, the fashion industry is linked to every other industry. And for real change to happen, it has to happen deep within the fashion industry and then, you know, in turn be reflected in the media. And I think then it can impact society. And, and so it was really important that the story be told that way. But it's also vital that we heard from teenage girls who are the ones suffering at the hands of the industry, right? These, these girls are mm-hmm. talking about feeling disgusting and feeling less than and not being able to just go about their daily lives because they just don't feel worthy and and we've done that to them as you know we're the adults <laughs> we've <laughs> we've created this world where where teenage girls are not going to thrive or succeed or shatter those glass ceilings and it's just not okay anymore and i think 
you know, it, it's really time to, to start being accountable. And, and I think that hearing firsthand from these girls, the effect of the images that are put out in the world, the effect that those images have on them, you can no longer ignore it, right? You can, you can think that right. fashion is frivolous or you don't care about fashion and you don't care about this and that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's kind of moot at this point because, you know, these girls are telling us, they're telling us that they are damaged. They're telling us that they feel disgusting. And, you know, once he, after hearing that you can, you know, nobody in their right mind can really ignore it and say that we don't have a problem with body image. Right. One of the girls, um, I, she said something really shocking to me. She said, um, you know, when it comes to gaining weight, like I think when a girl gains weight, she's committing social suicide. Yeah. And that just really, like I had to pause the movie in that moment. And this, this girl couldn't be more than 16 years old. Right. Yeah. She's 16. And that's, that's, that's what they think. I mean, I think it was, it was incredible to me how raw and how, you know, how kind of willing these girls were to, to go there with me, you know, for the film. And I think it, it was kind of remarkable. It was, it was one of the best days I had while making the film, but also the most shocking, also the most, you know, emotional. I definitely cried a lot that day. And, you know, these girls were, they were fully prepared to just kind of bear their soul. And, but also what was fascinating to me was that they came in to the room having kind of, they had already processed their thoughts and their feelings and body image in a way that I most certainly had not done when I was a teenage girl. And I mean, I hadn't done until I was like halfway through this film, you know, and, and it showed me that they've been forced to sit and kind of process their, their mm -hmm. feelings towards body image and their own bodies and their own self-esteem because, you know, they're living in a society that's even more heightened in terms of imagery and even more heightened in terms of kind of stimulus and what we're seeing constantly and being fed constantly. Um, and, but they've, they've taken time to consider how it impacts them. So they kind of walked into the room knowing this already, which was, to me, it was really incredible because I certainly didn't know that when I was a teenager. Right. And it, I think the film goes on to mention, you know, being barraged with imagery on, on social media as well. Mm -hmm. Seeing these beautiful Instagram accounts of gorgeous, tiny blonde women traveling the world and how... I mean, it's aspirational. Well, at the same time, there is this comparison going on between, well, I don't look like that. That isn't, this person has, you know, 800,000 followers on Instagram and I have 800 mm -hmm. and, and they're looking for reasons why. And it's just, they are surrounded by these images of what, what is some, some concept, some social construct of, of, of what is perfection. Right. I mean, I think, um, I think that it kind of happens at every age. I'm in my mid thirties and I still feel that way. <laughs> so I think that's also really important to point out is that, you know, social media creates this illusion and we all feed into it, whether, you know, some days we can be stronger and, and know that it's nonsense and other days not other days. I find myself being like, Oh, look, that person has such a great life. And you know, it's just so not true. But if I, <laughs> as an educated grown up woman can feel that way, you know, then you, we really have to think about the teenage girls. But I do also, you know, I, I'm a big, big advocate for social media as a pat, as a tool for, for great, great change. And 
I think that it's, you know, it's an incredible tool if we learn how to harness it. And I think that's kind of the key message that we should be talking about a lot more and putting out in the world. And I think, you know, it's really, it's really easy to be afraid of social media because you don't understand it. Right. And I know that I even have friends who are parents who, you know, they, they never use social media themselves. So they, they kind of dismiss it as a, as an entity and as, you know, as, as a part of their lives. But I really, really feel very strongly that that is a mistake because, you know, our kids now are growing up in a social media era, whether you like it or not. And and I think kind of burying your head in the sand is not the way to deal with it. I think, realizing and learning and educating yourself on the different social media platforms and also kind of curating your own feed and and just harnessing it and and learning kind of how to harness it and, and spreading that and passing that along to your kids is what is going to be most powerful and you know it gives all of us a voice and pretty much a direct line to industries, to corporations, to magazine editors, you know, to really, really important game changers and the decision makers. It gives us a direct line to these people that we didn't have 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I've also, through making this film, have, have learned that different brands, clothing companies, different media companies, you know, all of these people on, on social media they have hired people specifically to go through their social media comments and to report back. So that's someone's job. And they are listening to the consumer in a way that we were not being listened to a long Mm -hmm. time, you know, or not a long time ago, five years ago. And I think that's kind of really critical and also puts the power back in our hands. Like how exciting is that? We have the power, (laughs) you know, we can vote with our wallets. We can vote with our social media feeds. We can use our voice and tell clothing companies or, or, you know, advertisers, marketers, influencers, what we want to see more of on their platforms. We can kind of speak to them and say, Hey, have you thought of using a model like X, Y, Z? Have you thought of doing this? And they're listening. You know, and and that's something that I think we should be talking about more because the power is in our hands. We just like basically we have to come together and use it. Well, I think that's the key is that I think social media, like anything else, can be toxic if if you let it be toxic or if you fill your your feed of everyone you follow is is toxic for you, then that's what it becomes. But you also have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to shape that. Exactly. I mean, like you're saying, these these brands are watching. I think somewhere in the in the movie um one of the models was saying if you don't like what you're seeing in the in these magazines then don't buy them because that that mm-hmm. hits the company but at the same time if you don't like what you're seeing on Instagram and you unfollow and 300,000 people unfollow that's a big deal to them. And it's a yeah. big deal that they see immediately. They don't have to wait for subscriptions to run out or cancellations. It it happens overnight. And that puts a lot of power in the hands of of, of everyone, but I mean, especially of of young girls. And I think curating, you know, your feed, I think a lot of people, well, I mean, I think some people don't realize that you have the power. Like you were just saying, you know, you get to curate your feed and that's just the reality, right? So you get to choose the kind of messaging that you're subjecting your eyeballs to. So, you know, if... If we, you know, we learn in the film that our brain processes images 60,000 times faster than words, 
So in order to actually kind of do some good, you need to change some of the imagery that you're consuming on a daily basis, right? And I know from a personal standpoint, I started curating my Instagram feed and started following, you know, people who just looked a little bit more like me or people who didn't have perfect bodies in a bikini or, you know, people who were extremely different than me culturally. And really just by diversifying it, it just made me feel better about myself. <laughs> so like on a daily basis, you're going to, you know, you're going to be scrolling. We all do it. You wake up or you go to whatever part of the day that you dedicate to Instagram. Like it's just the reality. You're going to be scrolling whether you kind of realize or internalize it or not. And so seeing diverse imagery as you do that scroll every single day just kind of starts to shift something in your head. You start to suddenly think, oh, there's different bodies out there in the world. There's different, you know, or you you start seeing some cellulite or something like that that kind of has been shamed and covered up and and photoshopped out for so long. And you start to think, oh, that looks like my cellulite. And so it can't be all bad if I'm seeing it on Instagram, right? So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's kind of a big, big thing that I I say to parents when they ask, like, what can they do? And it's, it's very much curate your kids feed you know work really hard to find people who are being body positive or just you know positive in general who who are maybe activists for different causes that you believe in and those are the people that we should be reading about and looking at on a daily basis i did a cleanup of some of the accounts that i followed Mm -hmm. um it, it sort of goes to this issue as well is a lot of the really popular Instagrammers curate every photo that they post in their feed. And Mm. it's always beautiful and posed and their children never have, you know, food in their hair and their clothes are pressed. And um, and then I would get to a I would get to a a photo and and the the mother would be perfectly dressed and her children are happy and smiling. And the caption would read, we had a you know, sometimes I have to get really honest here. It was a really hard day. You know, I ended up crying and the kids spilled whatever on the floor. But the picture itself is a picture of perfection. And I, I wanted to scream. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be like, wait, 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 show me the milk. Show me the milk that you spilled. Like, I want to see that because my day is a shit show. Yeah. My kids are my kids clothes never match. Yep. But I, there's a there's a part in the in the film that talks about um, is the was it is it an, a lingerie company called Aerie? Is that what it's called? Um, it's it's part of the American Eagle brand. Yeah. Okay. Aerie. So they were they had gone well. And even Tim Gunn mentions this. Mm-hmm. Tim Gunn is in the film, and um, he was on um, Project Runway, and he mentioned you know there's been sort of a falling off in terms of uh, demand for the smaller sizes and clothing. And there's this huge opportunity for brands to capitalize on the larger sizes. Right. One of the big problems is that no, no designers are being trained or taught in school how to design for larger sizes. But this lingerie brand was listening to their customers and the customers were like, well, we kind of want to see women who look like us in the underwear. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not ever going to look like Carly Kloss or, you know, Giselle in a in a bra. And so they, and I have noticed this shift over the last year, even, um, I subscribe, <laughs> I subscribe to the newsletters from Lively and Third Love, the, the lingerie brands. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm noticing that they're the diversity of, of bodies that they're showing in the newsletters to me was almost startling. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a woman with a roll of fat over her right. her underwear. <laughs> and and if someone in the in the film points out like that shouldn't that should never that shouldn't startle you. Right. It should startle you it should startle you when you open a newsletter and every model is a white skinny woman. Exactly. Exactly. But we've been so conditioned, right? So, you know, it even takes time. It's so, someone said to me last week that it's, it's shocking to see different bodies, but sometimes it can also be uncomfortable, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I think this is what's really, really interesting. So even no matter how open-minded we are, or we want to be, it can still be a little uncomfortable to see larger bodies or those rolls of fat or stuff that we literally have been conditioned to not see and to think is unacceptable. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I know this to be true because I find myself doing it and I have been in this subject matter for three and a half years. And the part of my brain that is logical and actually thinks does not think that in any way, shape or form. I love seeing those larger bodies and those rolls of fat. But there's another part of my brain that every so often, the instant I see it takes a moment, takes a pause, mm-hmm. you know, and if I'm doing that, <laughs> you know, I, I know that society at large most certainly is. And I think that's really, really interesting. And I think it also just feeds back to the idea of it's, it's just not what we're used to seeing. We're just not accustomed to it. And I think that that's what needs to happen, right? We need to be putting... right more and more images out in the world that are reflective of women of different stages of their life, of different backgrounds and of different sizes. And the more that we see, the more we become accustomed to it and the less shocking it becomes. And, you know, (laughs) that I, I think it's absolutely critical that we get to that point because it's so preposterous that we are shocked by an average woman's body, you know, or by a body that looks like our mom's body or our neighbor's mm-hmm. body or our sister's body or our own bodies. So, you know, we, we definitely, the conditioning is kind of frightening, I have to say. And it's, it's really, really important that we start moving away. And I love that your newsletters are becoming more diversified and I've seen it myself. You know, I think the film came out or, well, the film started three and a half years ago and it was most certainly not at a diverse point in the industry. You know, it was starting to shift. People were starting to have conversations about, you know, oh, maybe we should be showing women of all sizes. And and now I do feel it has moved kind of astronomically, <laughs> but it's yeah. still not far enough, right? And, and I think it's going to take another god knows how many years to get to the point where it feels equal but um but it is moving it is shifting and it is becoming more kind of inclusive and representative and i feel i feel encouraged by that for sure well and i I think to a certain degree it's i mean i think there's an element of shock but i think Mm -hmm. part of that conditioning is and I, i i think one of the models kind of drew attention to this where she told some of her friends that she was a plus size model and they almost they felt bad for her right like there was this sense of pity that she wasn't. So it's almost like you see the image and you're not shocked, but you just, you feel really bad that this person looks nor- normal really is what it comes down right. to. And and none of them look, none of those women look normal because they're, I mean, they're models. So I think automatically they're, they're gorgeous anyway. 
but you mm-hmm. see you see normal body sizes. And I, I remember when Aeri made that switch. Clearly, I'm not the target demographic for that brand, but when you see all of these advertisements, <laughs> you kind I of just, are. <laughs> I, I really, I remember noticing that switch, and not in a bad way. But I remember it took mm-hmm. a while because I thought there's something different about these that's not the same as everything mm-hmm. else. And then gradually it starts to set in that it's because they're they're normal. It's not. Well, it's because they're not photoshopped. Right. It's not airbrushed or yeah. photoshopped. or And then you start to realize how abnormal all of the heavily photoshopped images look. Right. When you actually like, see think normal that's, images. Right. And that's fair. Like, so, you know, I think it's really tricky. The, the use of the word normal or the word real is really difficult. Uh, difficult in this kind of conversation because you know you can't say that a size zero thin woman who's just naturally that way you can't say that she's not normal or not real right? right so i think normal and real are really really tricky when it comes to size but when it does apply is exactly what you were saying is to photoshopped images because they are not real <laughs> and they are not normal mm-hmm. they are heavily heavily computerized and i think that is um something that you know we, we learn in the film through Iskra Lawrence, who's this incredible role model, and she's the airy, real role model. And, you know, she she, she talks about um, posing for an ad campaign, and her parents went to the store to, to buy the magazine to try and find her, and they couldn't find her right. because they didn't recognize her because she was Photoshopped so heavily, right? Like, that's just mm-hmm. crazy. It's frightening, And, yeah, yeah it's frightening. She's the one who... Um I was, I was just about to bring this up. She mm-hmm. said that she was posing for a, a shoot. And she's like, you know, I've been in this business for years. I know exactly how to pose to make right. my stomach look flat. But this was, you know, a real, this is a real shoot. And so she's sitting there in her underwear and she's posing and she's got nor- like what a normal woman has when like you're, you're slouching and your stomach sort of rolls over itself. Mm-hmm. And, and mind you, she is a fabulously gorgeous woman period and she said the the feedback that she got on that of like what an ugly cow and have you had a c-section and i can't believe they let you do this and Mm -hmm. she said you know it it sort of stung but she was like you know what if i'm the one that they're gonna see if i'm the one that's gonna make them confront this uh disparity then good for me you know i'm glad that i got to be a part of that Right. And like she's saying, you know, the, the reactions to the photographs show her that people mm-hmm. are not used to seeing a stomach like that in an ad campaign. Right. So which is crazy. So, you know, when and, you know, the, the images in the film and you, it's, it's kind of shocking when you hear her talk about it and then see the photo and the photo literally is just her twisting. And when you do like yeah. a twist, you know, your your body twists. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> Wait, your, you know, your skin I mean, twists is what happens. Your skin twists. And it's it's just kind of crazy to assume otherwise. But she rightly pointed out in previous ad campaigns that would have been photoshopped out. That would have been smoothened down to give her like the perfect flat stomach. And um, it, it's crazy. So, so you know, her... Iskra is just incredible and she's she's built this amazing platform on Instagram with over 4 million followers who wow yeah she you know and she really kind of puts her life out there and puts her feelings out there and shares her struggles and I think that's something that's really key in this day and age and another thing that social media allows you know it, it allows for the sharing of 
of stories and the sharing of struggles. And I think that that helps a lot of young girls and young boys and older women and men feel a little less alone. And I think that's, you know, something that's really, really critical when we're looking at body image or eating disorders or any of the the more serious iterations of this conversation. And I think, you know, having role models like that is is really, really important. And, and that fed into our you know, casting for the film was I wanted to make sure that all of the women, the 12 models that we had for the shoot were all not just models, but role models. You know, they're all Mm -hmm. activists in their own right. They all stand for something and and have a message they want to convey. And they have, you know, a lot, they have a, a great platforms with social media and they really work every day to try and, share their stories and improve the lives of of others and I think that was really really important to me and when I hear like sometimes I hear yeah but they're a model you know they asked for this they you know I don't feel sorry for them and it (laughs) just makes me so angry because these are women right at the end of the day they wake up just like you and I do they go to bed the same way they feel the same way about their bodies they have the same insecurities you know they didn't ask for this um and I think it's really important to kind of shift our thinking away from that to these are women these are role models these women are sharing their struggles and by doing that they're kind of helping other people who may have the same issues I really really did enjoy that part of the film the insight into their own pain Mm -hmm. and insecurity like I think the woman was the same woman who talked about the fact she was plus size and how her friends felt sorry for her. She had done a campaign and I believe someone in the industry called her up and said, you know, you're promoting obesity right. by doing this. Yeah. And then you hear another model talk about how um, when she's like 17 years old, she she wondered why her legs didn't look the way most models legs looked, even though her body was you know, perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. And then the other model talking about the struggle of like, weighing herself constantly mm-hmm. um and then w- when they were skinny and almost the, one of the women ended up in the hospital woke up in the hospital barely hanging on to life because she was starving herself right and and realizing just how unhappy they were trying to attain this again this social construct of what what is ideal right that was relatable to me to see these beautiful models who who really are it's just a stunning cast to see that they too are are going through what what I and all of my friends you know we're we're constantly finding something wrong with our bodies mm-hmm. it's just it's what we it's what we do as american women <laughs> yeah i loved i loved hearing how they were overcoming those struggles if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. That was the kind of the point, right? That's how I feel. I feel these women who are stunning and gorgeous, even they feel the constraints of society's body image standards even they feel less than what we have kind of set as the beauty norm and you know if they feel it then god help the rest of us you know and that's kind of that's how i feel and and i think that's kind of really what i wanted to share with the film and and really kind of give these women a platform to talk about their struggles and hear firsthand some of the most shocking stories you know we we hear from one of the girls charlie about she was um a a model at in paris and she was told to lose an inch and a half off her waist in a week like it's just impossible you know the only way to do that is i mean i don't even know if it is possible but if it is it's hugely unhealthy and then you start to look at eating disorders, right? Then you start to look at what are these beauty standards leading to? What are they feeding into and facilitating? And I think, you know, we spend some time in the film talking a little bit about eating disorders because I think it's really, really important. And, you know, we we hear from the, the CEO, Claire Misco of the National Eating Disorders Association saying that the highest mortality rate of any mental illness is in from eating disorders, Yes. You know, and, and 20 million women in the United States and 10 million men suffer from eating disorders. And, you know, these are these are shocking statistics. And they're only the statistics of people who are reporting that mm-hmm. they have an eating disorder. So if you think about that number and think about the number of people who are probably not seeking help or not talking about it, then it's even higher. And, right. you know, it's 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 really, really critical that we kind of start talking to younger people at an early age about body image because I feel it really leads into a, a self-esteem. It leads into self-identity and it helps kind of build who you are, but it also may go some way to kind of help not going down the path of, of an eating disorder. And I think um, that's really, really critical because it's harder and harder in this day and age to avoid that. Yeah. Well, there's there's so many layers to the issue, I think, that, you know, size is a piece of it. But I think mm-hmm. a big part of that then comes into the Photoshop, because if, if you see a model who's a size two and you're a size two, you don't look like that model because when she sits and twists, her stomach has been flattened. Like, right. so, so every example of your own size that you see is still incorrect. So 
even mm-hmm. if you're in shape and you're doing everything that you want to do and you're comfortable with with your size compared to these models you're still less than because exactly. that's not we've, yeah. we've been asked to kind of suspend this sense of disbelief and that it's okay it's just a weird it's just it's layered in so many layers of fake right that you have to strip all of them off in order to really realize that you're the same as these people right and I don't think we, I don't think, I think we're, we're realizing as a society a little bit more now when we see photoshopped images, um, I think we're getting a little bit more attuned to it, but not necessarily and certainly not for younger people. And I think that was another, you know, big thing that we wanted to do in the film. And, and also, you know, we've built this incredible conversation guide and activities kit to go along with the film for our house party project, which we can talk about later, but this kit is really built with kind of parents in mind and also just women who want to be able to have these conversations about media literacy, right? What do the images mean that we're seeing? How can we deconstruct them? How can we learn what's real versus what's not? And I think that is is a really, really critical point and something that we really wanted to kind of develop more in the in the discussion guide that we we've built to go along with the with the film and when we think about photoshop and when we think about the images in the world i think you know seth matlin's in the film he's a global brand marketer talks about the cumulative effect and i think that is the key point here it's you know people on an individual level who are working in fashion or media or tv film anything that's kind of you know putting images out in the world these people on an individual basis can kind of say well i only created one image like you know i just did one thing like so it's fine but when you look at the cumulative effect of the the images in the ad, it is creating a standard and it's creating a standard that is massively unattainable. And that's what's damaging. And I think, you know, Seth talks about he didn't realize this himself until he became a father of a young girl. Mm -hmm. And that was a really, really touching moment. And then he has actually gone on to help spearhead the new CVS initiative the, they have decided to not Photoshop any of the beauty ads that are in CVS stores all around the country. So that is a huge, huge undertaking. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's going to, it's going to take some time to actually roll out because I mean, I can't remember. He told me the number of stores, for example, and the number of images in those stores that have to be reshot and have to be, you know, changed so just from a logistical standpoint it's going to take a little while for it to actually roll out but it's happening and the fact that a huge brand a huge company like a cvs has decided to take the stand take that initiative the hope is that other beauty brands other brands in general other marketers and advertisers will really lead uh, or sorry, not lead, follow, follow suit. And, and I think that was kind of what was needed was this somebody to take the leap and say, we're not doing this anymore. We're standing up, we're being accountable for our actions and we're going to change it. And it's not going to affect our bottom line. I think that's another key point, you know, in the film, we learned that Airy stopped Photoshopping their models and their bottom line increased by 32%. 
So yeah, an incredible statistic. Right. Love that. There are money. So so there's money there. We as women no longer want to be advertised to in a belittling way. We no longer want to be sole products that are going to hypothetically make us better. I think that I, for one, and all of my friends, I don't spend money on companies who are trying to sell to my insecurities. I'm like, no, if you're going to make me feel bad about myself, you're not getting my money. So I think that that's what's shifting and changing. And I think that even the younger girls now are even more empowered. They want to be sold a product by making them feel even more empowered. And and I think that's what's starting to shift and change in advertising, which is really fascinating and I think is really healthy. (laughs) So you mentioned the uh, House Party Project. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this a little bit. So you're encouraging parents and women to, to gather in their homes and to screen your film and to download a kit from the website, right? Mm-hmm. And to start these conversations with themselves and with, with your children about, you know, ab- about body image. And for me, I'll, I'll just, a, a small aside, I grew up in a, in, a, in a home where talk of what was, what was beautiful by my father was, he talked about it quite a bit, about what he thought to be a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And he was a little derogatory towards my mother whenever my mother gained a little bit of weight. And both me and my sister um, heard all of this and ingested all of this. And both me and my sister have, well, I struggled quite badly with an eating disorder my senior year in high school and throughout college. That coincided with a lot of stress and it was my way of controlling things. But I also grew up with the 90s supermodels. Yeah. And my entire wall was covered with pictures from Vogue magazine. And I had a, one of my best friends that I was growing up with. She was obsessed with the 90s models as well. And her anorexia got so bad that I had to step in and call her parents. And we had to get her checked into the hospital because she was on the verge of dying. Mm-hmm. So I, going into parenthood, was really adamant about they're not being talk of fat and skinny and measuring how much any, any of my kids is eating or making a derogatory comment about what they're eating mm-hmm. because I'm so hyper aware of this issue. And when <laughs> I, I, I suffered a really bad bout of depression about a year and a half ago. And one of the, one of the triggers was someone turning to me and saying, I've never seen anybody eat as much as you do. <laughs> wow. I was training for a marathon. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was just it, it. It was like this flashback back to my childhood, where you know what I consumed was watched like a hawk. Mm-hmm. And I think these com- th- this movie is is going to be a wonderful conversation starter for us talking to our children because you know a lot of us don't know what our kids are looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're, when they're tucked, you know on their phone we don't know what they're consuming we don't know exactly what they're thinking and I think that toolkit will be really um, helpful to get us talking about what they think about themselves right and I think it's really you know I'm sorry for all of your struggles I mean that's no (laughs) and it's quite a typical story that's what's sad right like it's not that's not new and it's it's kind of the reality for a lot of people and and in some cases it's layered even further there's a lot of you know moms or women who kind of disparage themselves in front of their kids and and 
mm-hmm. that's heard and that's mimicked and that's kind of a big a really really big problem and I think what we are trying to do and I think what the the guide was really built with um with a lot of educators and clinical uh, professionals in help me write it and it's it's really kind of to try and pose open-ended questions so you know you're you're kind of start questioning yourself and your beliefs and what you're seeing and also kind of your your kids will do the same so it isn't being super preachy or didactic it isn't telling you anything it's really posing questions that have been purposely created to help get an idea of how we're feeling about our bodies but also you know there's a section on social media responsibility in there and how we are acting on social media so that's a really important uh section i think for young young kids and and there's a section on health and eating disorders and again a section on media literacy which is helpful to look at photoshop and and the images that we're looking at in the world and how we decipher them and how we learn what's real and what's not and i think you know these these kits are are going to be available or are available on our website for free from straightcurvefilm.com and you know the hope is that you could you can rent or buy the film watch the film with your kids or with your friends and then use this kit to kind of have a fun conversation you know there's activities in there that are really fun as well that you can do um and it's all meant to kind of just basically make you feel that much better about your body and that much better about yourself and i think that's kind of the most important part of the film for me was that i wanted to make a positive film a kind of an uplifting film a film that's that feels empowering as opposed to tearing people down or slamming people who are just getting it all wrong you know i, I don't think that does any good so i really wanted to show people who are leading by example and and really kind of raise up the people who are trying to do it right and trying to be more inclusive and i think by doing that it just automatically feels it makes you feel good it makes you feel better mm-hmm. about yourself right and i think that's kind of if that is all it achieves that's it's done its job uh, and i think um the the purpose or the kind of the benefit of a house party project like we're doing and is really house parties are about building community and community around an issue that is affecting all of us and it affects us all in different ways so we can come together and share our thoughts and our feelings and by doing that we all of a sudden we don't feel as alone we we get to kind of hear from other people and and build this real sense of community so that was the the kind of thinking behind it yeah there's there are a few shots in the film of the photo shoot going on and you have these women with these gorgeous bodies who are sort of walking toward the camera. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of times where it was like the confidence that this woman is oozing is like she loves what she's doing. <laughs> she loves being in her own skin. It's clear that she like loves herself. It's just like it was on her face. It's how she's walking. It's the confidence with which she's approaching the camera. And it was it was joyous to see that joyous yeah (laughs) well thank you I I mean I think they do they love themselves for sure or they at least like themselves a little bit more than the rest of us but they you know they still have their own struggles and I don't think I think it's important to point out that that the kind of self-love is not an end goal you know it's not a final destination I think it's it's a journey and it's constantly evolving and I know for myself personally 
I have great days, I have bad days, you know, and I think that's, sometimes I get asked by teenage girls, you know, how do you get to the point where you just love yourself completely? And it's really vital that we tell young girls that that is not an end destination because if they think it is and they don't get there, there's another layer of failure being added on, right? So exactly. instead of that, we, we talk about it being a journey, it being constantly evolving, like your body is going to constantly evolve. And and I think the most important thing is that you, you want to hope to get to a place where how you think and feel about your body just doesn't impact your day-to-day, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. make you stay at home when you should be going to school or going to work. It doesn't make you not go on that first date, whatever it may be. And, and I think that's, for me, that's my ultimate goal. You know, don't have an impact how I how I just go about my life. Well, I'm, I'm curious, um, and I know that the focus of this was was on women. And I'm mm-hmm. curious, as you were making this, what what you ran across or ran into in the reverse. I mean, as the, as the right. male half of Manic Rambling Spiral, I'm curious because <laughs> I feel like from, from my perspective that a lot of men have a lot of these same thoughts. They just, mm-hmm. they don't talk about them. Right. I mean, I, I haven't felt very body positive about myself for most of my life. I was made right. fun of for being overweight when I was in middle school and high school. So it's, it's always been a thing for me. And it's something that no one ever really talks about. So then I think it's assumed that it doesn't exist. But you did. Mm-hmm. I know when you were interviewing some of these these groups of teens, there were there were boys there as well. And I, I think yeah. we heard from one of them early in the film. And I'm just curious what you know how that how that came into play. And I know it's. I mean, you could make an entirely separate film about that. Which <laughs> thumbs up if you want to go down that road. I would watch that. Yeah. Um, well, stay tuned. Okay. But I think. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I'm, and I'm so glad you asked. I think it's so important to talk about men and in no way was I trying to ignore men with this film. And oh, no, I think I it's vital. Yeah. It's vital that we, we kind of acknowledge that this is a massive problem for boys and men as well. And I think, you know, as I started to really research the film, I was discovering that the issues, body image issues kind of manifest similarly in men and boys and girls. Um, in terms of just having negative feelings about your body, but the origins and what it's rooted in is so different. For for men, it's very much tied to masculinity yes. and what it is to be a man. And in a way that it's just not linked to the same issues in women. And I really had to decide pretty early on that to try and do both in the same film would do a disservice to both. And, right. and I had to kind of solely focus on, on women for this film, for Straight Curve. And but in doing so, you know, I, I spoke to a lot of boys and men and it's harrowing and it's even in some ways it's even scarier because there is that element of we don't talk about it so it's not happening. We don't talk about it because we're told we're not allowed to talk about it because we're told to man up, right? There's right. that mm-hmm. that kind of notion and that, you know, oh, you're being too emotional, you're meant to be a man. And it, so there is a lot of very, very heavy issues at play with the the boys and, and men. And I think it is a whole other film. <laughs> it is a whole other conversation and it's a vital one and, and one we should most definitely be having and I hope to you know, have in the future. That would be outstanding, yeah. But I guess so even I on, those, saw... on those same lines, I think that's, like you said, it's a totally separate but related issue. But I yeah. guess to pull it back, mm-hmm. to focus on on the issues that, that women are facing, 
aside from aside from just men who have daughters, what role do you see that men play in this overall push for change and this need for change? I mean, I think men play a vital role. We, you know, we still live in a society where men are at the top of every food chain and at the top of every company. They are the people in the boardroom and they are the people making the decisions. So, you know, I think that men need to hire women. <laughs> I think men need to listen to women when it comes to advertising and when it comes to creating imagery that is rep- meant to be representative of women because, you know, I'm sick of hearing men telling me, I know how to advertise to you. <laughs> it's like, it's, you, you don't. So just stop. So, you know, and, and you know, I think that, that men pay, play a critical role. And I think that there are a lot of incredible men out there doing incredible things for women and, you know, making sure that women are represented in the boardroom and, and are represented in the imagery. And I think there just needs to be more, you know, there needs to be more women making these decisions. And um, I think, fathers it must be so tricky to to try and have these conversations with your daughter I get it like I I you know I didn't have these conversations with my father but you know maybe that's what this film can do that's what maybe the discussion you know conversation guide can do you just watch it and share it with with your kids and you don't even necessarily have to have the conversation after if you don't want to but that shared moment of of kind of hearing other people talk about their bodies and your daughter seeing that you're watching it there with her you know I think that's very powerful and very meaningful and I know would have meant a lot to me as a a young girl so Mm -hmm. um I think that it's been one of the most surprising and rewarding uh things for me out of the film is the reaction of fathers to the film that I wasn't expecting you know it's it wasn't made with grown men in mind (laughs) but having grown men see the film and really resonate with it because they have daughters is very special. Well, and I, I ask because I don't have a daughter, I have a son, Yeah. but just, I feel like, you know, when some of the, when some of the models in the, in the film were, were talking about comments they'd receive or negativity, I don't know. I'm just guessing, but I'm sure a lot of that was from men because men have also been conditioned to believe that this double zero in a bikini that's all I need to see in ads. Like, I don't care what she's selling, but this is what I need to see. So I feel like there's also this component of, you know, as you're raising boys to let them know that there's, there's more out there. Like this, this one particular image doesn't define all women. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really, really, really important as well. And the more, again, the more that we just put different and more diverse images out in the world, by default, young boys will just walk down the street and see more imagery of of different sized women, of different colored women, and it'll automatically become their norm. And I think that's what we're striving for. We're striving for diversity to become the norm so that all of our children can grow up in a world where it's their normal and to them it's not weird so that that's what their standard is that they strive to or strive to find in a partner yeah that's a really good point john about about teaching like lexton like there's more (laughs) and 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 there's so much beauty in the more right well and i think it's Mm -hmm. it's so hard though and i think jenny you mentioned something earlier like that doesn't mean that the women in ads who are a zero or a two or a double zero are, are bad. 
or not right. beautiful. It's just to convey this idea that they are one piece mm-hmm. and there's tons of other pieces that look nothing like them and that's okay. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's a spectrum, right? We should be showing all women. And that was the, the point of the film. We have women in the film who are size zero and women in the film who are size 26, you know, and it's about everyone being seen and being treated equally in the world, not just being seen, but every woman, every size being allowed to seek and find happiness, <laughs> being, you know, allowed to just exist. And we may laugh, but that's a radical thought, right? We, we fat shame and we have a very, very big problem with fat phobia in this country. And, you know, I think, and by default, then we give the message out there to, to women of a larger size that they are not adequate. They don't deserve love and they don't deserve success. And that is super toxic. Well, and one thing I like too is toward the toward the end, or at least the last half of the film, one of the models that comes in is is an athlete, mm-hmm. and she talks about how it's it's not a it's not a weight issue for her. It's that she's too muscular, too manly, right. which is like an entirely yeah. separate side here. And you know, she gets passed up for these campaigns, these these athletic campaigns, right. and they pick women who are who are again beautiful, but clearly not athletes and she doesn't get it because she looks too much like an athlete yes it just i mean i love that it's ridiculous the space for women to fit is so small that's what this that's what this film showed me that there is like a tiny sliver that is considered acceptable woman and anything that falls out of that is wrong right it's terrifying it is (laughs) no i mean it's 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 really interesting to and I like that you pulled that component in too because it's like I said it's just a whole another dimension to kind of illustrate that point. Right. And I think I mean I think it's important to that's n- nobody has broken it down like that for me before and I'm kind of a little bit in shock now. But yes, that is pretty much exactly what it is and I think the to f- <laughs> the positive upswing of that <laughs> is that the people, you know, in the film and people out there in the world are fighting against that now. And for the first time, it feels like it's starting to stick. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of something that makes me feel better and makes me, you know, able to get out of bed every day um, <laughs> is that you are right about our reality. But I think it is starting to shift and change. And I'm hopeful that, you know, it's going to, to keep going. And I think that's kind of where it needs to be. It needs to get to a place where we're all represented equally. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to kind of bring it back to social media, someone even mentioned that they've seen movements like this similar take place, but nothing mm-hmm. quite like what is happening now because of social media. It's the voice. Yeah. And because of social media also, I, yes. And I think also it feels holistic. So, you know, when we look at the fashion industry and we look at the media and we look at advertising and marketing, you know, there are so many people that go into one photograph and one ad campaign. And in order for change to happen, all of those individual people in those individual roles have to start standing up and being accountable for their actions. And that's what it feels like is happening right now. So it feels holistic and it feels like a collective movement. And I think that's what's going to keep pushing it forward. And you're going to have the odd person every now and then kind of just refusing to change. And that is absolutely happening. And 
But when there's more people willing to push towards change, I, I think that kind of feels more positive. Definitely. Yeah, this is, uh, again, I'm, I, I get really excited to open my newsletters, the, the, of the bras, <laughs> just to see like, oh my gosh, they featured a woman who's like a size 22 in a bra is amazing. Right. It's so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the film is called Straight Curve, Redefining Body Image, and it's available on Friday to yes. rent or buy on Amazon and iTunes. Amazon and iTunes. You can also go to our website, which is www.straightcurvefilm.com. And that has all of the links to rent or buy the film. Also, it has a link to our conversation and activities guide for free. So you can yeah, download it and have these conversations in your own home. Plan a house party. Awesome. And we will link to that on our website too. Great. So everyone has easy access. Yes. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled that you took on this project. It's such a, an important film and such an important discussion to have. Thank you. This thank has you been, for doing it. This has been really great to talk to you guys. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on. This is fantastic. And for all of our listeners, if you have anything to add to the discussion, any stories of your own, um, you can find us everywhere online at Manic Rambling, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also email us at stories at managramblings.com. Thank you again, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Until next time, repeat this. Fact is not bad. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.